W P V M FM 103.7 The Voice of Asheville All hit radio Lester the Nightfly? Lester the Nightfly. I'm Lester the Nightfly. Lester the Nightfly. I'm Lester the Nightfly. Hello, Baton Rouge. Won't you turn your radio? <laughs> composes music they're feeling something inside they're seeing something in their head to me the different uh, phrasings and composition in it have different moods for me and, and represent different facets of my life This is PJ Ewing here for another episode of Lester the Nightfly. I have a guest for you, a friend and a musician, a guitarist. His name is Scott, Scott Lask. Hello, Scott. How are you, man? Hey, PJ. How are you? How's everything? Oh, I'm just glad to be here with you. You've got a playlist for us. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's... um... It's a, a, a side of my life that started when I was young. Well, you're good at it, and it's fun to hear you, you play. And we've got some of your music tonight, so that'll be really fun to hear three of your tracks. You've also brought music from your past, music that you admire. We've got some Led Zeppelin, Eagles, Paul McCartney, some Beatles. We've got some really beautiful music. You know, let me brag a little. Um, my brother and I... We're the first kids on our block to have the album Meet the Beatles. And the Beatles were just like, you know, they they just came on the scene by storm. And naturally, our parents weren't sure what to make of them. Um, they all actually came to appreciate their music. But, you know, when the Ed Sullivan show happened and it was the first time they were on live tv in the states it was like you know the event that every school kid absolutely had to see You've ever seen them, you know, people in the audience, uh, 
just losing their minds. They were just so overwhelmed by the presence of this band on stage. But what really struck me was not so much the reaction of the crowd, but that music could create such a reaction. And the more I listened to the Beatles and became more savvy with the, you know, and Stones came out, all those original rock bands, um, they were expressing things. And it was interesting to see how the songs made me feel. And I just loved the way the guitar looked. And then it just kind of came together. I, I just, every spare moment I practiced and then I took up the bass and John and uh, a few other people approached me and we formed a band and we really worked at it. And, you know, even though we were teenagers and, you know, we weren't in the real industry, we were good at what we did because we worked really hard at it because we all believed in the same thing, that music was just, it, it touches your soul. And, you know, I have to say that even to this day, and I haven't played in front of an audience in ages, but there's something about when any artist, any performer, music especially, when you can look out into the audience and you can see that they are totally in sync, like everyone in that room is all united around the vibe, the beat, you know, the, the feeling the music is bringing out. I can't even describe the feeling. It's just overwhelming. It makes you want to play harder, to play better. And, and not you don't even want to stop because look how much joy you're giving to people and enjoying it yourself. young with a young rocker the lead singer of a band called college level maybe you know a month and a half ago okay. uh, uh, taylor howard is his name and he described toward the end of our interview that exact feeling and he was almost overwhelmed emotionally when he looked out at the audience and people were singing his own lyrics back mm -hmm. to him in sync with what he was singing and he gave a nod over to his lead guitarist and it was just it was a, a magical moment that I think he'd like to live inside of forever and recapture again and again. It's like an addiction. There's that, that incredible feedback that the joy that he's giving and the joy that he's receiving, and it's a special place. It, it, it is a truly human uh, experience, and however you want to categorize it, um, when you feel it, whether you're in the audience or you're the... Uh, the person, you know, putting out the music, um, it's blissful. It's blissful and it makes the, feel, or the world feel like everything is okay. Let's dive into our playlist a little bit. You are a child of the 70s, I guess, musically, because that's when you were starting your band and performing. Pretty much. I mean, you right? know, mid-60s. But, you know, when I first got into playing with bands, you know, I was, I was 1969, 1969. Okay. Okay. Woodstock time. Beatles are big. You, however, 
have a heavy rotation here on our playlist of Led Zeppelin. Yes. And it was terrifically fun. I just have to tell you, thank you, because that selection, although I love Led Zeppelin, I never have known them that well, their story and what's the magic behind them. So I've been reading and looking at documentaries and trying to get into the spirit of it. And it's been really, really fun. They are regarded by many as the greatest rock band of all time. And there are a few others on that list. I mean, of course, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones are probably on that list. And there's some others, but they're really by many. Uh, there is no really you know, question in terms of rock and roll. People look at Zeppelin. They were the big, biggest sellers. They had a giant following. I mean, there, there's it's the lore around Led Zeppelin is just endless. So by the time Led Zeppelin's album came out, we'd already experienced, you know, the Yardbirds and Cream and Jimi Hendrix and, you know, and then all of a sudden you hear this first album. And even the very first song on the album, Good Times, Bad Times, it was like, like the gods of thunder rode in on their horses hmm. and you were completely frozen and mesmerized. You weren't frightened. Although the although although there was definitely an element of danger, but it was like it was like a storm cloud, like a thunderclap. Listen to Robert Plant hit vocal ranges that even female vocalists weren't hitting. And he was outrageous. He did things on stage that just, you know, this is the reason why mothers didn't want their daughters to go to these concerts mm -hmm. because they were all so sexually charged. And Jimmy Page was doing things on the guitar that no one had ever seen or heard. He was, he was bringing uh, what Hendrix and Clapton had started to a completely different level. In the middle sequence, the first really big stretch that he uh, does 
in uh, the solo to Whole Lot of Love, which is considered one of the top five guitar solos of all time. When he goes like this, he goes. That stretch was beyond anything that people were doing at the time. So it took you, like it just pulled you into this just completely different dimension that we're like, whoa, we've never been here before. And then they have songs like Dazed and Confused where he's using a violin bow right. to play guitar. It's almost like, you know, the, um, the theme song to this, the, show, the show Twilight Zone. Sure. Right. How it takes you through, it feels like all these portals and, and, and you know, like you went through a membrane into a parallel world. Mm. That, that's what Zeppelin did. It took everyone by storm. And you were either absolutely blown away or you're like, I don't get it. But the majority of us got it. It was big. Right. It was bigger than things we had heard before. Was was the scope, the in quotes, awesome power of what they were doing? Was that part of it or? It was not only the the like smack you in the head, push you back into your seat, take the house down with the first song type of bravado and attitude that they come out on stage, which, which you could feel in the music on the album without seeing them. It was more that they could go from psychedelic heavy metal to good southern rock blues and then they would play a folk song rendition uh called babe i'm gonna leave you that joan baez had written they completely reconstructed it and when you mention the song babe i'm gonna leave you no one even remembers that it was joan baez's song uh-huh. you all think of led zeppelin mm-hmm. Baby, baby, I'm gonna leave you I said, baby You know I'm gonna leave you I'll leave you in the summertime the summer comes rolling. Leave you when the summer comes Okay, and the next thing you know, they're doing um, this like really fast beat communication breakdown. It kind of goes ba 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 only uses one bass drum because it sounds like he's got the, the double bass. You remember like with Cream, Ginger Bacon, there were two bass drums and they would play drum rolls on the bass. And he, this guy's doing it with one foot <laughs> and, and with no gizmos. And, and the, the bass player, um, probably the quietest guy in the group, but hands down the most talented musician because he could play anything, mandolin, organ, guitar, flute, you name it, he could play it. And the four of them were absolutely just masters of their area of music. And what they produced together, to me, was just astounding. It wasn't even the enjoyment of the sound. It was when you sat back and said, 
Okay, so I figured out the first part. I understand it's basic, you know, A, D, E, blues progression. But then they throw in all this different timing. And maybe they throw in a couple of minor chords. And before you know it, you're playing something that, whoa, you never play. How did they even think of putting these notes together in this Mm -hmm. syntax? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they did play with rhythm a lot, too. They would slow things down, speed things up. Do you feel that was new? That kind of in the middle of a song, suddenly the rhythm's changing or... We had seen some of it. The Beatles, I think, had, uh, you know, done. But, the, you know, the, it was really kind of different. Um, you know, Cream had done some of that. Hendrix had done some of it. But Zeppelin seemed to make it a trademark. And the thing that a lot of people don't realize about Zeppelin, and I've seen them five times, easily 40% of their show is acoustic. When you grow up in Britain, you're exposed to everything British, everything Irish, everything Scottish, everything Welsh. It's all part of their heritage. And Welsh folk music is really quite unique. I mean, I'm no expert on it, but if you listen to Zeppelin's folk, a lot of that stems from, you know, like Ronnie Yar. songs like going to California, which I, I there was always a rivalry between the, the, the deadheads, you know, the Grateful Dead fans and Zeppelin. Okay. And, and let's face it, deadheads were definitely a very mellow, laid back, groovy type of like, you know, they were the Woodstock nation. Well, they were high all the time. What do you want? Well, huh? you think Zeppelin fans weren't? Okay. Okay. Just, just different drugs. but that being said i mean you know they they just even in some of their metal you could hear folk um song remains the same there's there's some chords in there that were never done against a um a, a distortion background uh with some blues you know depth to it uh so to me it was just how did they think of these things, you know, um, and where all their influences came from? Well, you you've done it. You've introduced our first song. The song remains the same from Led Zeppelin. Let's take a listen to this thing here on Lester the Nightfly. And then I'd like to hear a little a few thoughts afterwards. Okay. The song remains the same right here, right now.
That was the song remains the same from Led Zeppelin. You're listening to Lester the Nightfly. Uh, this is PJ Ewing. Yes, Scott. Sometimes I call myself PJ DJ, but let's just keep that between us, if you don't yes, mind. Yes, sir. All no, secret. Mum's the word. Okay. Take it to the grave. A little embarrassing, but I'm kind of sticking with it. I just. Uh, I like um, it. It's got a good ring to it. Well, thanks for humoring me. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, but I'm I'm being sincere. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. What, any words about that song remains the same, uh, having just listened to it? Yes. Um, and it's interesting how uh, you see 
have the band and Jimmy Page in particular, because it's an upfront guitar song. There's no question about it. But how he went from the studio version. And then if you listen to the live version from the movie, the song remains the same. I mean, he's on fire. And what's crazy is that when you listen to the studio version, his um, he's he's got at all times anywhere between two and four guitars overlaid playing different things. He's going upscale with chords, but he's then doing a declining scale using his uh, lower strings. Wow. And, and he has these competing. And on top of this, he's also got um, just the 12 string in the background overdubbing. Um, and then all of a sudden, you've got this burst of energy in the beginning of the song. They do the upscale progression with the chords, and then they slow it down into just kind of almost a folksy, melodious type of thing. It's, it's a little offbeat. It almost feels like, you know, uh, the old Batman uh, TV show when, again, the camera angle was a little off to the side because, you know, you wanted to get the impression of something's a little goofy. And then they speed it up again. I saw them at the garden two nights out of the three that they made the movie. Are we, the, the best night, we were literally sitting second row center. So my friends and I saw him do this live to the point where, PJ, we were so close. We could see everything that he was mm. playing. And our jaws just dropped because we, our eyes could not make our brains believe we saw what we had just seen. Let's listen to the first song from you, Scott Lask. It's called Life. Let's listen now, and then we'll talk about it here on Lester the Nightfly.
Scott, this is your work. It's really beautiful. Thank you. What? Uh, thank you for for sharing that. It was exciting. I, I didn't know that you had these gifts. You know, when we first met, and it took a while for me to realize that you weren't just casually playing the guitar on occasion or did it when you were in high school or something that you actually mm -hmm. were composing uh, your own work. Uh, this is called life. Tell us about this track. Well, I have to, you know, confess that the tuning uh, is something that I did borrow from Jimmy Page. It's a tuning that he uses on the rain song. I was playing around with different chord shapes you know, um, thinking to myself, okay, I've learned how to play the rain song the way he wrote it uh, in this tuning, which is like, if you try to play conventional chords, it doesn't work, but around this tuning, there's a whole different universe. And I started playing around to see if I could find different chords. And that's how this came about. And the, the interesting thing that I find in, when you write a song and my daughter is a professional songwriter and I know other musicians and I've read so many interviews with writers that, that they all say the same thing. It just kind of pours out of you and you're feeling it. You have to digest it afterwards to, you know, come to, you know, say to yourself, okay, well, I feel this, but what is it? What is it that I'm feeling? For me, this was like, I was talking about life and, Everyone's life is filled with blessings and challenges. And like I've told my kids when they were getting older is that, listen, life's a funny thing. It usually gives you what you want, but it'll knock you down to the mat about 15, 20 times before it gives you. And every step you take forward, you always seem to get kicked back to just keep going. So it was the end when I finally finished it, it, it just looking back, it was like, Okay, I could literally pick out each decade, each time period uh, in, in the different changes uh, that I felt really felt like my life. When did you write this song, Scott? Hmm. About a year and a half ago, two years okay. ago, I think. Mm -hmm. I don't really remember exactly. It wasn't that far. It wasn't that far ago. But it was in the vein of... Uh, the Rain Song, thinking about Zeppelin and Jimmy Page. Not necessarily thinking about the Rain Song. It's just I was in that tuning. Um, one thing anyone will tell you, especially at our amateur level, is that when you play a composition, you know, even, even a song like um, the, the Beatles, Blackbird, which I, I know is on the list, or or mm -hmm. even um, you know, while my guitar gently. Every, every construction has a, a, a tempo. It has, um, you know, some uh, characteristics that make it unique. And um, I just was in a tuning that, you know, produced sounds that just were mystical at some times, were um, harmonious, meaning like, you know, it, having harmony and, some were a little spooky. Um, and I said, okay, let's play with it, see what happens. So, yeah, I, I attribute it to a tuning that I only learned because I followed Led Zeppelin and Jimmy Page, but that's, it just poured out of me and it just felt like my life. Well, it's beautiful. Thank you for that.
And that leads us right to The Rain Song by Led Zeppelin. The Rain Song, Scott, this is from Houses of the Holy. And we have a remaster version, which is great because all of these tracks have been remastered for the modern which is awesome. Let's take a listen to The Rain Song from Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. Thanks to our good friend, Scott Lask on Lester the Nightfly.
To me, the rain song is like, it's spiritual, it's cosmic, it's mystical. But that last sequence, when he goes like this. So he does that, he goes up, they build up to crescendo, and this is the mystical part. 
And at that point in the live version, the drummer has these big Tiffany kettle drums and he just wails on them and they finish the song, you know, with a big crescendo. Even playing it, I feel like I'm going through time. Like all of a sudden I'm going to cross between uh, a Lord of the Rings movie and, you know, like the unicorn is coming over the horizon. You know me, I don't believe in the whole unicorn thing. Okay. <laughs> but it's just where he's able to take me and obviously a whole lot of other people on the planet, just mind boggling. And, you know, there's so many guitarists out there that, yeah, they can play great riffs and great leads, but they really, really write music that takes you on a physical and spiritual journey. That, that's, I think, what really gets me with Zeppelin. Our local music shop, when my son was taking drum lessons there, you know, the owner used to always let me, you know, take a couple of the guitars off the wall and plug in and just wail away. Because he knows me. The first time I did it, he looked at me and goes, I'm telling you now, you could play any Zeppelin song you want, but if you play Stairway to Heaven, I throw you out. <laughs> <laughs> and it, of course, was their monster, monster, definitive, one of the great songs. Okay, well, got it. Yeah. But we just got, it got played out. That's for some of yeah, us. Yeah, of course. Some of so that brings us back to you and the guitar and uh, pulling it off the wall. Mm-hmm. And plugging it in and playing a track that you've written called Rockaway Rockin'. This is by oh. Scott Lask. Let's hear it, and then I want to hear about it. This is PJ Ewing, Scott Lask on Lester the Nightfly. <laughs> Thank you. 
I grew up in a, uh, a beach town called Far Rockaway. And really, it was the Rockaway Peninsula. And you had the Atlantic Ocean on one side. You were surrounded by water, Jamaica Bay on the other. And it was about 17 miles of, you know, peninsula beachfront property. And as kids growing up, there were so many places to hang out. Could go to the beach. There were different, you know, areas of the beach where kids would get together. Um, there were parks. There were um, inlets and coves on the Jamaica Bayside, and it was just amazing because you know when we we talked to like our cousins or people that we knew that that like lived in, you know, uh, you know Bensonhurst or um, you know maybe they lived in Forest Hills, and it was all concrete jungle, you know. Everything was subways, you know, beach. Oh, you had to travel. You had to have your dad or mom take you. And all we did was walk out the house and we had great places to hang out. And here we are. All these years later, um, I mean, I graduated high school in 73. So, you know, before we blink, we're coming up to our 50th graduation anniversary. And. So many of us are still so in touch, so tight. I mean, last week I met uh, a couple of gals I went to high school with who have pretty much just adopted me as the guy that drives my wife to hang out with them, but that's great. Um, and it's just a feeling I can't describe of we really believe we had a unique place to grow up unlike anyone else in the five boroughs. And they couldn't match it. Um, and so that's what motivated me to write the song because we did rock. We rocked. We had fun. Okay. We lived to like our chores are done. Mom, I'm out the house. Don't expect me home for dinner. I'm eating over at Jeffrey's. And of course, Jeffrey told his mother he was eating at my house and we'd all eat at the beach. But mm. it, it was just, it was phenomenal. Wow. And, and to this day, I still get together uh, with some of those uh, folks and we jam. We play music. Wow. Now I'm at a stage where I really, I can play every day. But, you know, uh, there was a time when, no, if I wasn't running my kids to their events or going food shopping, I was working. <laughs> and somewhere in between, I caught a little bit of sleep. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. It took me. Uh, looking at your list over and over again to actually realize that if I look through the list, I think there may be an exception here, but it's really chosen from a guitarist's perspective. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you don't have Clapton here, so that's a, a giant. And I adore thing. Clapton. Yeah, yeah. I but mean, really, I mean, you're, yeah. I mean, the Zeppelin, you know, guitar adoration. Uh, the track you've chosen from Paul McCartney is is extremely difficult to play, from what I understand. Um, you, your own work, Guitar Gently Weeping. The only one that, that strikes me that I don't know of as a guitarist's song would be Hotel California. Oh, no, it is absolutely a guitarist song. It is. Okay. Oh, my God. Hotel California is a pretty psychedelic type of song, you know? And when you have lines, you know, like... Uh, uh, pink champagne on ice, mirrors on the ceiling. Uh, you know, I called to the captain, please call up my wine. We haven't had that spirit here, so you can leave any time you want, but you can never leave. You know, that it's a very psychedelically induced song. 
Um, and then when you get to the actual guitar solos, you have the two guitarists, the two principal guitarists in the band taking turns at different leads. And then they actually do harmonic leads together. They're playing the same scale, just in a harmonic, uh, you know, one's playing the major, the other's playing the seventh. And it's just, wow, wow. And so much fun to play. Right now, let's take a listen to Scott's selection on our list from the Eagles. This is Hotel California.
tune in next week to hear part two of our interview with Scott Lask. Lester the Nightfly is made in conjunction with WPVM-FM 103.7 in Asheville, North Carolina. Our show is produced at PJDJ Studios in Lower Manhattan, New York City.